Welcome beautiful mama and blossoming baby bump. This is your host Christy Long from Blissful Birthing, helping to transform the world one blissful birth at a time. And today's guest is me. I thought I would step in for a change (laughs) because I really, really wanted to talk about oxytocin today. It is the hormone of calm, of love, healing, connection, It's the most extraordinary biochemical or hormone that we have. And we are all basically striving to get the most amounts of oxytocin in our system through things like, um, well, for the healthy ones out there, through things like meditation or practicing mindfulness, yoga, walking in nature, all those kinds of things that we might do. And for those um, more kind of, unhealthy version of ourselves where we've all been so no judgment but you know people try and get oxytocin from drinking alcohol um, or maybe even from taking drugs or smoking cigarettes so we're all striving to get to this this hormone of just love and feeling blissed out and we all have it you know we all have the possibility to tap into it um, every day of our lives if we you know practice the healthier side of things shall we say um and through just feeling loved and connected with one another so yeah just to talk about love a little bit having high levels of oxytocin means that mothers of all species not just ourselves interact with their young so much better and it just creates a bond um like no other you know they can nurse better the milk production um is flowing they can sleep better both mother and child that is it reduces their blood pressure the mothers um are less stressed um less sensitive to disturbances in their environment they can just handle and ride things a lot better um and often it induces sleep in both the mum and the baby when you're when you're feeding and nursing um yeah and it just creates this this lifelong bond um and even to the extent where siblings will feel more bonded um, through the mother having high levels of oxytocin and showing the young ones how they have to behave with each other as well in a loving and kind way. Um, So it's just a fantastic thing to have on board, you know. And it also influences and is influenced by other um, neurotransmitters, basically brain hormones like serotonin and dopamine and noradrenaline, which are all happy hormones and hormones to reduce stress levels basically the other area where we have it regularly hopefully regularly is uh when we orgasm um you know exactly hopefully what that feels like you know after you've had an orgasm you just feel really calm and blissed out and that's the time usually when you and your partner will say loving words to each other and you just want to touch and cuddle and like revel in that beautiful beautiful feeling um so you've all come across it. Um, just a few more things that are good about it. It actually assists in faster wound healing, which I didn't realise until I just did some research today, which again is fantastic, right? You want that? Um, I think it actually keeps you um, looking and feeling younger as well. So have lots of orgasms, ladies. <laughs> um, it reduces your muscle tension as well. It lowers your blood pressure levels. Um, increases your tolerance of pain which is very useful when you talk about birth shortly 
promotes learning, which again is great if you're a new mum and you've got so many new things to discover and learn, you know, this actually will help you. Um, and it encourages growth. Again, fantastic for the baby to thrive, right? Um, but yeah, it's in its highest levels, really, when you're giving birth and um, when you're breastfeeding. And obviously, Blissful Birthing wants to focus on giving birth mainly. So I just want to talk about that because it really, really is key to giving birth. You literally can't give birth without oxytocin coursing through your body because it creates um, the necessary conditions to cause your uterus to contract. Without oxytocin, your uterus will not um, expel your baby. It just won't. It won't be able to, full stop. Um, oxytocin is responsible for the fetal ejection reflex, which is quite something to experience. Um, it's not just a bearing down pressure. It really is when your body basically hijacks the whole birth experience in a good way and you suddenly find yourself going whoa okay I guess we're pushing then you know there's no cognitive thought needed whatsoever you just start going and your whole body goes into this this fetal ejection reflex um so these programs when you see midwives saying to mothers push 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 now 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 you know that is not necessary if you're not um on drugs and you can actually feel everything and your oxytocin levels are high so this stuff is amazing. If you could bottle oxytocin, you would. This is like the golden bullet to so many things because it's, you know, it just um, is so interlinked with all the other happy hormones and painkillers If we said, you know, it's just incredible. Um, and it also increases the storage of nutrients. So again, really great for um, your baby, you know, when it's born to make sure it absolutely thrives. Right. So how does this relate to you as a mother that is going to give birth quite soon? Well, as I said, you need it for the fetal ejection reflex, right? Um, otherwise, nothing's going to happen. But you also need it to just start the surges and the waves or contractions as the medical community calls them. But we'll call them surges and waves for the purposes of here. Um, that expulsion reflex, you know, the muscles contracting is oxytocin working and you really need to protect it like a lioness protecting her cub because oxytocin is a super shy and sensitive hormone it literally is like a candle in the wind it can be extinguished like that and that's why we often hear about women who have been in established labor progressing quite well at home where they feel safe arriving at the hospital and suddenly everything stops and they're told that they're failing to progress or that their body is flawed in some way. And then, you know, they're told, right, we need to induce you to, you know, get the contraction started up again. And if that doesn't work, we'll have to C-section you up because your, your body is flawed. Um, why does this happen? Well, because oxytocin is very, very dependent on the environment that we are in. So even if your cognitive brain is thinking, no, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm in hospital, this is the best place I could be, uh, it's the safest place I could be, your body doesn't buy it. Your body is going, well, where am I? Who are these people that are trying to touch me and check how dilated I am and maybe trying to break my waters and, and all these beeping machines around me and these bright lights and 
I'm not in control of this environment at all. It's, it's scaring me. You feel threatened on a deep physiological level. Your body feels like it's in danger and it stops labor. It stops giving birth. And actually, instead of your body being seen as flawed, which is what the medical community will say the problem is, your body is doing amazingly well if it suddenly stopped giving it birth or just stopped labor in its tracks. Because it's showing um, how if you had been in, you know, like the olden days, a cave woman giving birth, if a lion had suddenly entered your cave, your body would have stopped giving birth because it would have been unsafe. It would have been an unsafe environment for a tiny vulnerable newborn to arrive earthside, right? So actually your body is protecting your baby when it goes into this clamping down, shutting off, giving birth state. So there's nothing wrong with you. In fact, it's just showing that everything is working very, very well. What is wrong is the system and the environment you're in. If you want to give birth, you have to feel 100% safe in your environment. You have to feel some, like, somewhere that you're, you're welcome, you're being nurtured, you're being respected, you're being supported. The people around you really need to feel like your best friends in your tribe. And they need to be tiptoeing around you to make sure that you feel really, really safe which usually, if you look at other mammals that are able to give birth pretty seamlessly and effortlessly compared to human beings, other animals will instinctively go to a dark, quiet place on their own um, where there aren't any bright lights, where there aren't others around that could interrupt the flow. And, you know, they give birth quickly and efficiently. So we mustn't ever think that there's something wrong with our body. We really have to just think, how can I help my body to feel safe and to feel protected and to get that oxytocin really, really flowing? The smallest of things could be seen as um, an invasion of your body or even a violation, um, even of your mind, to be honest, because when you're giving birth, you are super, super sensitive to everything around you, super sensitive to... Um, sound, super sensitive to light, super sensitive to people, um, super sensitive to touch. And we're all quite individual in that. Like there are women that really enjoy being touched um, or gently massaged when they're giving birth. I didn't. I didn't want anyone to touch me because my whole body felt like it was tingling and had antennae on every piece of it. I also really needed to be completely by myself. Um, and I made my room dark and I had soothing music on and nice smelling candles on you know lavender and jasmine are my two favorite scents that I like to have um I do not like to have anyone come into my space not even my husband unless I've asked them to come so hearing my children playing and crashing and potentially coming into my my birthing cocoon or my nest I did not like I know I found it threatening and it would slow down my labor suddenly the contractions or the waves wouldn't be so regular anymore they'd slow down um my labors would progress really well in the evenings at night when my children were in bed and then when they woke up for breakfast it would stop you know it would just stop for the whole day so that's not even threatening as such is it but it would be interrupting my flow so I discovered by my third fourth and fifth births that when things were starting I'd literally get so protective 
of making sure my oxytocin was flowing at its highest levels, I say to my husband, please take the other two kids out or three, whatever birth we're talking about. Take the children away. Uh, I need to be by myself. You know, I don't, and I switch my phone off and uh, I would just put myself in that zone. And it really sped my labors up incredibly. You know, I was going from uh, 33 or 44 hour labors with my first two to seven hour labors with the others because I just then realized, oh, I have to like create this environment for myself. And not only did I need the low lights, the no sound, the privacy, um, I also discovered in my third, fourth and fifth births from a midwife, a tip. And she said, look, um, it may seem inappropriate to you, but why don't you try pleasuring yourself while you're in labor? And at first, you know, typical English prudeness, I was like, don't be ridiculous. This is not what I'm going to do. That's the last thing I feel like doing, you know, absolutely not. How gross. And oh. But then I thought, you know what? No one's here to see me. I am on my own in my little birthing nest. Um, I don't feel really like playing with myself as such, but I will tweak my nipples. I'll give that a go because she said, if you just play with your nipples or tweak them, um, that can be quite powerful. And oh my word, ladies, it is so powerful. It like took it from just, you know, quite gentle, nice, regular um, surges to just like, whoa, okay, we're in business. They're stronger, they're longer, they're more regular, you know? And I was like, wow, I've just you know, eliminated another 20 hours of waiting for oxytocin to increase gradually. It's just boom, really increased. <laughs> so I would really advise getting out of your way if you're a bit of a prude like I was and just doing that, even if you don't want your partner to do that, you know, you can just do it to yourself a little bit and it is incredibly, incredibly effective. Um... So yeah, the smallest of things in a hospital setting, which aren't that small to me, now I see it as a violation, is like, you know, someone, it's just protocol that we all accept, checking how dilated you are. Very invasive. You don't want a stranger going up there. And it doesn't even show anything. It doesn't mean anything how dilated you are. In fact, more often than not, it will normally disappoint you. Um, but like I said, it doesn't mean anything because if your labor suddenly comes to a halt because your oxytocin has been interfered with um you will stop um so if you had been eight nine centimeters dilated it will it can actually you know reverse the whole thing um neither does it tell you really anything about how quickly the baby's gonna come because you know you could take like i did 44 hours to dilate or you could take one or two hours to dilate it all depends on how relaxed you're feeling how safe you're feeling and how much oxytocin is coursing through your body it doesn't depend on someone sticking their finger up there and seeing how dilated you are in fact that is really counterintuitive breaking your waters exactly the same thing it's something that we think we have to just let the medical community do to us um, because we think when we enter the hospital setting that their protocols are law and that we don't have autonomy over our own body anymore and that we just have to agree submissively to everything they say because they're the experts well they're not. They are not the experts on your own body and how you like to feel safe. And actually breaking the waters has a whole host of other complications that can come with it from infection and the nuchal cord dropping down and endangering your baby's life to all sorts. You just don't need to do it. My waters didn't break with three of them until seconds before they were born. And there are some babies that are actually born in their waters. That's called being born in call. And it's amazing. You should Google that. It's just wonderful. Um, so 
you don't need your waters to be broken at all. And of course, then there's more invasive things like beeping machines and monitors being put on your belly and making you feel very uncomfortable or restricted. You can't walk around, you can't move as freely. All that stuff is not oxytocin-inducing environment, basically. And just to show you how sensitive I am, funny little story, my mum was there for my second birth with Marley because she was looking after Luca, who was two at the time, because, you know, I didn't want him interrupting it. And uh, she was staying in our little outhouse. It was basically a shed that we'd converted into like a spare bedroom. She was there with him, but she dared to come in in the last throes of my labour to make herself something to eat because she was starving because I'd locked her out for so long. And honestly, just the scraping of the knife on the toast when she was putting butter on it wanted me, I, I, I was so annoyed. I wanted to scream. And I just said to my husband, Brads, if you don't tell her to get out of the kitchen because I was laboring in the kitchen in the birth pool, I'm going to kill her. I know it's unreasonable. I know I sound like a psycho. Get her out of here right now that noise is really doing my head in and so he hurriedly like told my mum as nicely as he could please go please don't complain just leave and she did and uh, we laughed about it afterwards but you know I, I know it sounds crazy but that sort of thing just can send you over the edge and because I've been in labor for so long with Marley I was like nothing is going to interrupt my oxytocin now and the other thing that happened during that labor was that the midwife suddenly arrived after we'd been calling them you know for hours and they wouldn't come they were too busy i apparently wasn't in established labor you know, being really patronizing and unhelpful so when they did finally arrive and i really was at the end of it i knew i could feel i was nearly there i was like no no they're not coming in here now i'm not getting out of my birthing pool for them to check how dilated that i am or for them to monitor me they can do one i was like bradley you get those midwives and you take them where my mum is to the little shed outside <laughs> i'm making it sound worse than it was it was nice um, but they were not happy. Oh my goodness, my mum really bless her. So I had to uh, stop them from running into the kitchen, and she was like, "My daughter will not be impressed. You will not go. You will not." And she really did her sort of bodyguard job really well because it would have stopped it. I'm sure it would have. It would have been really invasive, and I felt really threatened by them being there. So that was a real big role of my husband to protect my space in whatever way I decided my my space needed to be protected. Um, so yeah, I think I've explained how anything can be seen as violation, right? From just people doing things you don't want them to do or entering we don't want them to or doing things to you that you don't feel comfortable with, even if you think you should give over your body autonomy. But I also want to connect it to, um, orgasms. Now I know this is a little, um, controversial for some of you out there. But it really, really links well. So I just want to sort of have an analogy with that. Right. So for me, and I would say for most women, to achieve orgasm, it is much more than just the physical act, right? For men, I don't want to do a disservice to all men. I'm sure there are lots of sensitive men out there, like my husband, who's very loving. And, you know, it's a very emotional and spiritual experience for him as well. But for young men, let's say, when they're starting out in their sexual prowess world, they think it's just bam, bam, and you'll say, you know, thank you, ma'am. They've done a great service, you know, just by basically putting their penis into your vagina, uh, in and out, in and out, and that's it. You know, they achieve orgasm, and there may not be a huge amount of consideration 
there and maybe quite a lot of self-interest and unfortunately as young women we're often prone to maybe faking it to make him feel good because we're such people pleasers um but really for us we're left thinking like was that it like really okay i guess so i guess that's it um and then as we mature and maybe we have a partner hopefully who's a lot more respectful than that and we've been with longer and we explore each other's bodies and you feel safe with this guy and you have a deep trust with this partner and you feel respected and you know that they're not going to hurt you or use you actually you feel cherished adored worshipped almost that's when we get to the state of being able to achieve an orgasm because for us it's a far more emotional thing we need to feel emotionally connected we need to feel understood and we need to feel loved um and i think you'll be able to relate to this like if you've had an argument with your partner and you're feeling any resentments that really isn't the time to achieve orgasm with him uh, afterwards because if you feel emotionally disconnected the last thing you want to do as a woman is have sex with your partner am i right well for me totally the last thing you know I feel deeply wounded if we've had an argument and it takes a lot of emotional reparation for me to even want to enter the bedroom with him. I say bedroom. We never have sex in the bedroom anymore because we, I sleep with the babies. Um, but anyway, <laughs> wherever it is that you would, that's the last thing you want to do. And environmentally speaking as well, for me, and I'm sure for many of you, it's really important that that's right, you know, that you've got your privacy, that you don't have your kids banging on the door or... I don't know, the gardener showing up um, or a neighbor banging on the door, you know, that will stop your oxytocin levels flowing to achieve orgasm. Even things like the lighting not being right. We're such sensitive creatures. You know, we often want to turn the lights down because then we don't feel so self-aware and worried about our partner maybe catching our cellulite, you know, seeing it or seeing that our, you know, legs are a bit hairy or... I don't know, that we're just not absolutely perfect because we're so self-critical. So we will often want to have the lighting just so as well. We also don't want to feel pressurized or forced upon. You know, often men think they're being spontaneous and it's all really sexy, just, you know, grabbing you in a plate where you don't expect it. And you're like, hey, no, man, back off. This is totally not the time or the place, you know? No. And, you know, you, you have to feel like um, you actually want to have sex as well, rather than your partner putting it on you and pushing it on you. Um, and can you see how, you know, when we listen to very typical hospital birth stories, how so many of the conditions to just have an orgasm and get your oxytocin flowing are violated in the hospital? Because often you, they're, they're calling it actually birth rape. Um, so often the protocols the mel very well-meaning protocols that medical people will put on you like right we have to check how dilated you are we have to break your waters we have to give you an episiotomy whatever feels like they're just forced upon you and pressurized on you and you're guilted into doing it for the safety of the baby but it's quite manipulative actually and it's very forceful so how on earth are you supposed to produce oxytocin when you're feeling like that and again, you're not in nice low lights or anything. You're in bright lights. You're with a bunch of strangers. You're, your oxytocin just basically isn't going to flow. There's no privacy, you know, because you've got all these people walking in and out and making demands. So can you 
see how the analogy of trying to achieve an orgasm is very much like the analogy of, of trying to give birth and open up and dilate and encourage the fetal ejection reflex. You really, really um, need to protect your oxytocin, really like a lioness, because even, even if you have a home birth and you think you've got everything set up and established the way you want it, the presence of a midwife at a home birth, if she doesn't fully, fully respect your conditions and your, your terms, if she tries to force her protocol upon you, even in the most loving of ways, like every half an hour, I just have to check the heartbeat of the baby, darling. We just have to get you out of the pool again, or we just have to do this and that. It can actually sabotage and railroad the whole thing. And that's why, you know, quite a few women now are choosing to just have doulas or free birth at home. What I did... I have to say, I think this was my favorite birth, even though I have free birthed and I loved them and, you know, everything was fine. But my favorite birth is where, is where I had a doula and I had a midwife, but my midwife wasn't anywhere near me. I know that sounds weird. I just wanted to know she was nearby, but I had a talk with her and I said, look, it's not personal at all, um, but I, to feel safe, would like to have you downstairs while I'm in my birthing nest upstairs. I don't want you to check anything. I don't want you to check with a monitor. I don't want you to check my dilation. I don't want you to break my waters. I just want you there for peace of mind that once the baby has been born, that you're there to check everything's okay. That's it. And she fully respected it. I mean, hats off to the woman. And the people that came with her must have thought it was the most crazy home birth ever because she came with a few student midwives because they wanted to see and witness a home birth. This was in Spain, and it's very unusual to have home births there. But they were basically just making themselves cups of tea and waiting downstairs until the baby was born because I didn't want them um, to potentially interrupt my oxytocin flowing, you know, by maybe saying something that would worry me or looking at me in a way that I didn't like. I don't know. I just didn't want it, and it worked really well, and it was lovely. So just be aware of the fact that if you do have a midwife, at your birth that you've really talked about how you want her to behave when you want her to be there this is not a time to be a people pleaser and consider their feelings this is a time to just consider yourself because this is your birth and your baby's birth um, and all that matters is that you feel a hundred percent safe and supported and nurtured and you just figure out what that means to you because we are individual i think we're very similar in many ways that we don't want to be prodded and probed and um all that but you know you may for example enjoy having some massage from your partner or from your midwife whereas I didn't you may not mind the lights being on or your ch other children being present you know I really wanted cognitively for my other children to be present for a lot of the birth but you know in reality they just irritated me and annoyed me and um, just stalled things so they were only brought in the very final throws by a friend to see the birth of our most recent family um so yeah i think that's it from me folks i hope that makes sense um i hope that's helped you to understand how important your role is in just protecting your oxytocin levels and making sure everyone in your birthing team is just as considerate about protecting that and when i say in your birthing team they don't even have to be there with you but like for example my husband taking away my other children my husband making sure that my mum left the room and she is making her toast um, 
my husband making sure that the midwives didn't come into my birthing space when I didn't want them. So people that can be like your bodyguards, if you like, or your lionesses at the time, they're very, very key. Um, and people knowing to not get insulted or to make it all about them if you say, no, you're not welcome in the space right now. And, you know, I did explain it to my children. You know, I said, I probably won't want you there, not because I don't love you dearly or anything, but just because mummy has to be really careful to to not feel like she's being interrupted. And I'll bring you in wherever I can at the end. And they were, you know, completely okay with that. It was really nice. Um, oh, yeah, I did want to say one more thing. Sorry, I'm rambling on. But it's very, very underestimated. The hour after you've given birth to your baby is called the golden hour. And we don't realize how important it is to keep oxytocin flowing even then. Actually, you know, just as important. Because even though you've birthed your baby, you still have to birth your placenta. And for your placenta to be birthed, your oxytocin levels have to be sky high still. Um, And if they aren't, you run the risk of your placenta being stuck in there or um, they call it retained placenta why is that worrying well a retained placenta will basically mean that your womb can't close back down to its normal size which will then put you at risk of hemorrhaging and you don't want to be playing with a postpartum hemorrhage just after you've given birth to your beautiful baby you don't want to have given birth and then go into a medical emergency situation where they're forcing the placenta out of you Um, and you're hemorrhaging, right? And that could lead to God only knows what transfusions and just things you just don't need. So instead of going down that road, just make sure that your oxytocin levels are sky high. Um, And the way to do that, again, is by making sure that everyone around you is very respectful and not pressurizing you in any way and um, making sure that they don't take away your baby, essentially. That's the key thing. You will feel it instinctively. thought of anyone trying to take your baby away from you once you've just given birth is hideous it makes you feel sick it's like a whole visceral body reaction you know where you're just like no 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 give me my baby back right now and you even see it with women that have had c-sections they want to see their baby immediately they want to hear their babies cry they need to feel connected um so yeah skin on skin with your baby no one touches that baby apart from you and your husband if you give him permission to um and get that baby on your boob straight away you know you want the baby to be feeding to be um, getting the colostrum that it needs because breastfeeding is the other way of ensuring that oxytocin levels are very very high as we touched on at the beginning Um, breastfeeding will cause contractions in your uterus they're like they work together symbiotically as mother nature is a genius nothing is an accident with her so yeah as your baby is nursing it will cause your uterus to contract, which of course will cause your placenta to be expelled. So that's what I do whenever I've given birth. First, of course, you take a breath, you look into the eyes of your beautiful newborn, you kiss and cuddle your newborn, you say all the wonderful things you want to say. Slowly, I usually I'm in a birthing pool, you know, you make your way out of the birthing pool gently, people supporting you and putting towels on the bed, and you go to your bed, which is beautiful and still has beautiful music and low lighting and you know everything just lovely lovely no one is talking about anything we're going to check this we're going to take your baby we need to weigh it we need to clean it um we need to hurry that placenta along no 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 none of it 
just how amazing you are and how beautiful this baby is and supporting that space and holding that space. And then after about 10 minutes of doing all that, you'll be like, okay, baby, let's, you know, put you near the breast and see if you'll take the breast. Invariably, the baby will. Um, and it will start suckling. And then after about five, 10 minutes of that happening, you will feel the impulse to birth your placenta. And, you know, gravity always helps. So I find staying in the bed not that helpful. I tend to get up, go in the shower with the baby, still on the boob, have a shower, or if you still feel, you know, a little bit weak, sit on the toilet, but back to front so that you're kind of facing the back of the toilet and put a kidney dish or some kind of bowl. I mean, we just used a bowl from our kitchen. Plop that in the toilet um, because that will catch your placenta because obviously it's quite big. You don't want that getting stuck in the toilet. And you might want to use your placenta, you know, to make some herbal tinctures from it or to even have it raw. Um, Yeah, and honestly, after a little bit of breastfeeding and again, feeling relaxed, so no other children in there with you, no midwives in there with you, like, oh, again, after Marley's birth, um, the midwives were just, I think they felt like they just needed to feel like they were doing something because they'd been put in the shed with my mum. So at that point, they were like, yes, you know, you need to pull the placenta out. They were literally tugging on the cord. To get the placenta out which thankfully my doula said no 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 stop doing that that's really dangerous it will come when it's ready could you please give her some space and she said Chrissy you need to say give me some space so I, you know after about five people being in this tiny bathroom with me I said yeah actually could you all please leave like I just want to be in here with my baby could you please respect my space and they all left in a huff and a puff um, and out the placenta came no problem but if they'd been pulling on it for ages I don't think it would have come because I did feel really threatened. I did feel worried. I was like, why are they panicking? If they're panicking, I should be panicking, you know? It has this ripple effect. And actually, it's, it's uh, not just a ripple effect on you, but because you're so sensitive after you've just given birth, um, everything is magnified by 100 times. So if they're worrying, you're really worried. And that brings me to another story I'd just like to share. Um, my friend, my very close friend, she just gave birth at home. She... Um, Oh, yeah, sorry, this was her third baby. So her first home birth or second home birth. Anyway, it all went really well. And um, the midwife said something like, oh, I'm not sure all of the placenta's here because they check the integrity of the placenta once it's been birthed. And it completely freaked her out because that immediately to her thought, oh, God, some of the placenta's been left behind. I'm going to hemorrhage. And um, she didn't. Nothing was left behind. Everything was fine. And that midwife should not have said it out loud. You know, maybe she'd have spoken to the other midwife present somewhere else in a different room. But she probably didn't realise, again, how sensitive we are and how we pick up on everything. Because you know what it did for my friend? It affected the bond she had with her daughter. She had wanted this little girl for so long because she'd had two sons before. And she said there was some kind of disconnect and she couldn't quite put her finger on it until she read about this. How the oxytocin in the golden hour after giving birth is so important. Not just for birthing the placenta, not just for causing your uterus to clamp back down and stop any hemorrhaging, but also for the bond with your baby. Because she felt so traumatized in that moment that she, she may start, you know, hemorrhaging, um, it stopped the flow of oxytocin, which is so important for the bonding. And she said she never really, of course she loved her um, on a mental level, but she didn't have that instinctive, physical, overwhelming feeling of love which um really knocks you off your feet 
um, and I really hope you get to experience it. And because she had experienced it with her previous birth, she could tell it was missing. If you haven't experienced it, you probably wouldn't have known any different. But I knew exactly what she was talking about because I had that same overwhelming love for Luca, my first, when he was born. And I really didn't know what was happening to me. It's like, you know, I really love my husband, but it was like a hundred, a thousand times more than that. And, you know, I just couldn't stop crying, like happy, happy tears. But I didn't know what to do with that level of emotional love. Because it just came all at once, like this huge wave. And you're like, whoa, where has that come from? It really, really knocked me off my feet. And I didn't get that with my second. Because of this tugging of the, on the cord and all of that stuff. And I thought it was my fault. I thought there was something wrong with me. Or maybe, I, you know, I thought maybe after you've had your first baby, nothing's like that again. You know, you just don't have those same feelings again because you're kind of used to it. But no. I did have it again with other births where I fiercely protected my environment and my golden hour. So I hope that really demonstrates to you how very, very important it is for the golden hour as well, for not just your bond, but for your actual safety um, to not have anybody interfere with your oxytocin levels. So please, ladies, don't have anyone in the room that you don't really want there. Don't people, please. Be the lioness. Or make sure your birthing partner is the lion to protect his lioness and knows exactly what you need to keep your oxytocin levels flying high. With regards to other people holding your baby, I think this is just something that needs to be mentioned as well. Even if they are people in your circle of trust that you really love, again, in that golden hour after birth, be very careful about handing your baby over. Um, with my third labor, the one where I had that amazing midwife that stayed out of the way and respected everything, and it was wonderful, just such a wonderful birth, there was um, a family friend who was there. She was 15. At the time, she was debating whether she wanted to become a midwife or not, and she had asked if she could be present for the birth, um, to which I wasn't sure. You know, I didn't commit myself. But as it happened, she did come in for the last sort of two minutes because I said at that point, right, there's no going back. You're welcome to come in as long as you're quiet and sit on the bed and, you know, really respect the privacy. And it, it worked out actually really fine. Um, and I kind of talked her through it, you know, as the surges came and my breaks. And I was like, okay, don't be scared. I can feel another one building. And, you know, if I make a noise, don't worry. It's completely normal. You know, so it was actually it was quite helpful having to keep someone else calm. It kept me calm. But afterwards, obviously, she really wanted to hold the baby. Um, and mentally, I was like, of course, you know, of course, hold the baby. But physically and emotionally, no. Like my whole body was screaming, no, I don't want you to hold my baby. But because I was such a people pleaser at the time, I'm getting better. I've learned it really serves nobody. Um, I, you know, I handed over Jessie. Um, and she had him for like, Oh God, like, it felt like forever. It was probably only for five minutes or something. But the whole time I was nervous and I was twitchy and I just thought, I want my baby. I want my baby in my arms. But he was asleep and he was fine and he didn't seem remotely bothered. But thankfully, thankfully, the amazing midwife, Ninas, actually said to Emily and to myself, no, I'm sorry, could you please give the baby back? The baby and mother have to be together. It's crucial um, so that the baby knows the mother smells and can hear her heartbeat and hears her voice and also for the mummy to be able to produce 
um, all her oxytocin so that she produces lots of milk for the baby and that their bond is solidified. Because if in that first crucial hour, mummy and baby are apart, even though we were right next to each other, sitting next to each other, um, that can be enough to create a disconnect. And I was so grateful. I was so relieved that she had said that because I didn't know how to say it myself without sounding like some kind of psycho. Um, so that was an absolute blessing. And, you know, she completely gets it. She's one of the midwives you want to have at your birth because she really, really understands. And maybe this is the kind of thing you could um, actually interview your midwives on. Like if this scenario happened, how would you behave or what would you do? Because it really tells you a lot about how sensitive they would be to respecting you and your needs even when you don't know what you need she would know what you need um and you know this is obviously mainly relating to that first hour but even after that first hour folks um it's really not very comfortable and i think it's mother nature of course it is it's your instinct and mother nature doing her job you will have people especially if it's your first literally hounding you on your phone and messages and then pounding on your door to see this newborn baby there's something about a new baby everyone wants to smell that new baby smell you know a fresh one has entered and it's like oh my lord hopefully the baby will be around for a long time and you can see it when we're good and ready but people are desperate to see this baby and hold it and hear the story firsthand and we had a neighbor who we never spoke to arrive at something like seven in the morning, something ridiculous when we were all just, you know, cocooned in our lovely bed with the baby, bringing us tomatoes. Like she's never brought us anything before, but that was the excuse. Tomatoes so that she could get a glimpse of the baby or hear the story or something. And thankfully, Bradley, my husband, was really firm with her and just said, I'm sorry, it's really just not appropriate. You know, we'll take your tomatoes, thanks. <laughs> but no, you, you know, they're in bed. Um, they're bonding. This is not the time to um, get Chrissy out of bed, get her all dressed and make her feel like she needs to perform and you know, get the baby serenaded around the room. Um, we had the same with like, not even our in-laws, but his brother's wife's parents suddenly turned up at the door, unannounced, completely unannounced. Um, and then went on to tell us the most boring story about these pillows they'd bought. And I thought I couldn't give a toss about your bloody pillows. I want to only talk about the amazing thing that's just happened. My whole world has just changed. But you're there, forced to make polite conversation, make them cups of tea, offer them cake, and you're like, oh. And of course, they want to hold the baby, so you're serving while everyone else is getting to hold your baby. And we had a day of it, I think on day two or three, where something like three or four different groups of people were coming around to the house, not all uninvited, some because I genuinely felt so proud and wanted to show off my baby to them. But I realized at the end of the day, it had been such a big mistake because firstly, I felt traumatized. I just broke down in tears and I couldn't really figure out why. But I said to my husband, I know it's really weird and you know we should be so grateful for everyone coming around to see the baby and, and all that. And I know I invited most of them, but I actually feel really traumatized. I feel like I haven't seen Luca all day. I feel like I haven't held him unless he's cried and wanted to feed. And I'm so grateful when he did because... It was my excuse to get my baby back. But you shouldn't have to make an excuse to hold your baby. Or you shouldn't have to apologise or justify the fact that you want to hold your baby. Guests should literally only be there if they've been asked to come, number one. Um, I think after 
an initial week at least a week of you just being with your baby by yourself unless it's your mum or dad or someone you really really want there someone really close but everyone else no I'm sorry they can wait because it just causes real deep levels of anxiety in you as a mother it can't be good for the baby either to be confused with their different smells their different voices just handed around like a piece of bread almost it's like no you know they want to be with their mum and guests should always bring food they should be the ones making new cups of tea or cleaning up your house while you sit on the sofa nursing your baby not while they get to cuddle your baby and you're running around making them cups of tea sorry this is england so we always make copious amounts of cups of tea for any occasion celebration or or commiseration um so yeah just be aware of that fact that everyone will want to be there and you will probably also be just as guilty wanting to show your baby off but you know what it ends up actually being quite a traumatic experience so take your time your baby's gonna boo you around for, for a really really long time um and never ever book more than one person a day or you know one group of people one family a day to see your baby it's too much it's just way too much because going with the fact that you're handing your baby around and all that goes the fact you feel stressed because you normally think oh god my house isn't clean oh no what to have to offer them so your stress levels go up this is not a time for your stress levels to be anywhere but down like non-existent so um I just wanted to part on that, that thought. Okay, sending you all lots and lots of love. Give that baby bump a, a nice little stroke from me. Okay, bye for now, guys. Hey, beautiful mama, this is Chrissy again. If you want to find out more about me or on how we can work together, just head to my website, which is blissfulbirthing.com. And from there, you can scroll down the page and uh, you'll see the links to my other social media channels on there. And it would be great if you could follow me on there. And can I also ask you a massive favor? Could you rate and review this podcast? Because that way we can help reach more women like you who want to join a nurturing birthing sisterhood like this. And of course, feel free to share this with as many of your pregnant friends as possible. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Talk soon. (laughs) 